Hello and welcome to the Arrowhead Attic Podcast. My name is Matt Connor. I'm here with my friend Sterling Holmes. We have another special friend ready to join us soon. But Sterling, since we're good friends, I at least want to ask you if you're doing okay. <laughs> Are you, you're fresh off a of Blink 182 show, is that right? You just saw Matt Verderam, yeah. our, our friend in common. Yeah, for, former Arrowhead Addict podcast uh, co-host Verderam. Uh, huge mistake. He, I, I stayed with him at his house, and I also stayed with Richard one night, our producer. So uh, huge mistake for those two guys. Some addresses will be getting dropped in the near future. Uh, but yeah, it was a lot of fun. We went to Wrigley on Sunday and then finished the night with a Blink-182 concert. Felt like I was in high school again, and then I realized I'm trying to jump around. I go, nope, my back says I am not in high school anymore. Uh, <laughs> but it was a lot of fun, man. It was a great time. Well, good, good. Glad you had a, uh, a good time. You had a lot more fun than I did. Um, we, uh, You covered all the small things. Tonight, we're covering all the big things with our friend Tim Grunhard. Look, man, this guy had, was the, literally the center of attention for like all the prime years I'm watching Chiefs football. Few people know the sort of long-term success. We're anxious to have him on. I'm talking about him like he's not here, but he's right here. Might as well bring him right in. Uh, our friend Tim Grunhardt is here. Tim, thanks so much for joining the show. It's great to be out with you guys, Matt and Sterling. I'm jealous you were at Wrigley. That's one of my favorite places in the whole world to be. Uh, you know, growing up uh, on the south side of Chicago, but was a Cub fan. So, uh, yeah, I had a lot of fights Uh Maybe one of the reasons why I made it to the NFL is because of the abuse I took from the Southsiders being a Cub fan. But uh, Wrigley's a great place. And uh, the Blink, uh, what is it, 182? Uh, yeah. Probably a little bit past my time. Uh, maybe more of the Who and uh, the Doors and that kind of stuff. But uh, Wrigley certainly is in my wheelhouse. So I'm pretty jealous about that. Yeah, it was a great time. First time ever going. It's just in a neighborhood. Oh, you're yeah. just walking and all of a sudden you're like, that that's that's yeah. the stadium. I'm gonna walk in right now. It's great. A lot of bars around there, which of course I had to partake. You know, I had to partake in a bar or two. Uh, but it was really cool. You know, yeah, my hey, my first time, Tim, by the way, at Wrigley Field, I'm sitting in the bleachers, which is probably not a good thing to do at first. And so suddenly uh left field starts chanting right field sucks. And I was like, are they talking about the Mets outfielder? And then they're all looking at us like in right field. And I'm like, well, wait, what's going on? And then the fans all around me start chanting left field sucks. And then it was just Cub fans against Cub fans. I mean, it was pretty miserable at the time the franchise was. So they all just turned on each other. And then there were like brawls that broke out. It was, I've never seen anything like it in a home crowd. You know, Matt, that happened in a huddle with the Chiefs. We used to say the left side sucks, the right side sucks. <laughs> As a center, I, I agreed with both and disagreed with both. So uh, the right side sucks, left side sucks. Yeah, so next time sitting center field, you don't have to deal with all that crap. So, But, uh, yeah, you know, it's a rowdy crowd. It's a lot of fun. It reminds me a little bit of Arrowhead. Uh, you know, the people are just in it. They go to all the games. Even when the Cubs stink, and the you know the and that's most of the time, um, you know the Chiefs have been doing great of late. But uh, yeah, the fan base in Chicago for the Cubs it reminds me a lot of uh, the fan base for the Kansas City Chiefs. They're always there. They dress uh, up uh, in the colors and they just have a blast. So 
you know, it's kind of a neat deal uh, for for anybody to get to Wrigley Field. I think if you have a bucket list, Wrigley Field's got to be on it. And if you've never been to Arrowhead, which I'm sure the 99.9% of the people that are watching this podcast have been there. But if you're that 0.1%, you got to get to Arrowhead and experience that. That's certainly a bucket list, too. With Kansas City hosting the draft, all eyes were here. It was great. I, I love the – I keep calling it it was a celebration of Kansas City. Not just the Chiefs, not just the Super Bowl, obviously, but having it at Union Station. All eyes were on Kansas City. For me, growing up here, living here, that's so fun. Uh, you know, we understand how awesome Kansas City is, but seeing everyone understand and take in the uh, amazing views in the city itself was so cool. What was your take on the Chiefs in Kansas City hosting the NFL draft? Yeah, it was awesome. Uh, a couple things. Number one, I thought the city did great. The fans did great. Uh, there was no major incidences. Um, you know, I was nervous that, you know, something would happen. And it didn't. You know, it's just the way I am. Um, and it was great. The fans uh, did a wonderful job of representing, making people feel welcome. Even Raider fans, I guess, felt semi-welcome uh, at uh, in Kansas City. Uh, number two, the, the NFL uh, does a great job of the production. Uh, they did a wonderful job. They used all of the um, uh, things that were available at Union Station and the World War One Memorial to emphasize the, the, the lights, uh, the, the celebration, uh, all the – uh, the infrastructure, it was really, really cool. So congratulations to the NFL. And then, you know, lastly, um, you know, I, I was really proud of uh, like the ambassador beefs and even the, the current players. A lot of guys made it a point of emphasis to get down there and do some events. I probably did five or six or seven different events that surrounded the, the draft. And uh, I was at one event at a, um, at a 2000 and grand for it was a local KC 23 party. And these guys from Iowa came in. And this was Wednesday, probably about three or four o'clock. It wasn't very crowded, but they said, hey, we came down. We've been, we, this is what we do. We go to all the different drafts. And I thought that was pretty cool. They've been to, I think, five or six or seven in a row. And uh, they said, you know, we're really excited to see what Kansas City's going to offer. So I, you know, I was telling them, hey, go to this thing, go to that thing. And then we had a party uh, on Saturday night with the Kansas City Chiefs ambassador and third and long. Uh, that had CeeLo Green and Blaine Howard and Uncle Cracker there. I said, guys, you got to end your experience in Kansas City with this event. There's probably going to be 25 or 30 ex-Kansas City Chief players there. Um, you know, it's just it's going to be a lot of fun. So they showed up. And by the end of it, the beginning of it, they're like, yeah, you know, Nashville, Kansas City. We kind of like Nashville a little bit better. But Kansas City was right there, and then by the end, we got them. We said, you know, you listen, you got to hang out with 30 Kansas City Chiefs ex-players. You got to see Uncle Cracker, CeeLo Green. You got to hang out at Harris with us, have a great time, open bar, all this stuff. And they said, you know what? You guys won. So Kansas City, we won the battle over Nashville. <laughs> Man. Yeah, that wasn't easy to do. Nashville had like 600,000 people down there. We had, you know, some people were saying near 400,000 people, but – we certainly represent us. So great job to Kansas City, man! You're, you're literally an ambassador. Like you're like you're doing the good <laughs> the good work there. That's pretty impressive. Yeah, well, you know what? Uh, just so proud of this city. So proud of this organization. Proud of the Hunt family and uh, the current players and uh, the and the guys that uh, give so much to this team. And you know, listen, uh, guys like you doing the Arrowhead Attic podcast, and you know, everybody kind of keeping the Chiefs on the forefront. 
uh, on the front page of sports here in Kansas City is really important. It's important to the Hunt family. It's important to the Chiefs organization. And one of the reasons why the Chiefs do so well, not only with attendance, but just, you know, people watching the games. And I think last Super Bowl was one of the watched Super, most watched Super Bowls of all time. And Kansas City certainly represented. It's because we keep Kansas City and the Kansas City Chiefs on the forefront. We uh, one of the things we just talked about with with Trent was the fact that the Chiefs announced Dante Hall during the draft yeah. as their, you know, the the Hall of Fame, the Ring of Honor inductee. You know, you've been able to also be a part of that, you know, sort of rarefied company there, and it just made me wonder, like, you know, as you reflect back um, on all the achievements. I'm sure that was like such a special moment. Um, I was hoping that you could kind of talk about that. Like when you learned that was going to happen, like how that the whole journey was for you. Um, and, and then what do you think that's going to mean for Dante as he goes forward? Well, the journey started about 33 years ago when I was drafted uh, by the Kansas City Chiefs in the second round, 40th pick. Carl called and, and talked to Marty, talked to Carl, talked to, to, to uh, Lamar. Talked to Howard, the offensive line coach, and then Marty got back on the phone and said, hey, listen, we want you to come in tomorrow, which was, I was like, wow, that's pretty quick, uh, to a red coater dinner. And uh, flew in for the dinner, and uh, part of the experience was Carl showed me around the stadium. So we walked through all the offices, went to the the weight room, which was in the stadium at that time, and then went on the field, and you know, I kind of looked up and I saw the names that were on the ring, above and I kind of pointed up I said wow that's pretty cool what's that all about he goes those are our hall of famers that's our ring of fame mm-hmm. and uh, he said someday you know you work hard and and you know and and things break the right ways you know without injuries everything else you have an opportunity we believe to be in that and that was always kind of my goal uh from the beginning every time I walked on the field you know I was a creature of habit I put my socks on at the same time I put my pads on at the same time I went to the same spot in the in the end zone to warm up put my helmet down and one of the things I always did was look around at the names and think about okay what do I need to do personally to get myself an opportunity to 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 be a part of this this organization's ring of fame this hall of fame and that's that was a that was a conscious thought before every game and uh you know I had to wait 20 years which it actually worked out better for me. Um, you know, I, I would have appreciated it if it was five years after. But, you know, I, I got to experience it with my kids. You know, my kids, three of the four were Division I athletes, two girls played football. And uh, they understood the sacrifices and, and how hard it is to excel in a sport. And they really appreciated and loved being a part of it. If they were maybe eight or nine years old or ten years old, they would have been out there. They probably – you know, would have thought it was cool, but they wouldn't have uh, wouldn't have thought so much of it. So it really worked out at a perfect time. And, and to answer your question, um, it was awesome. So I'll never forget this. We were on vacation in Florida, and uh, the phone rang. It was my cell phone, and it was like somewhere in Texas. And I said, somebody's probably trying to sell me like you know uh, car repair insurance or something. <laughs> I'm like I'm not answering that. And uh, they left a message They're like, that's weird. So we left a message. I listened. And it was like, you know, hi, this is Clark Hunt from the Kansas City Chiefs. If you get an opportunity, please give me a call back. And I'm thinking, oh, God, what did I do now? Did I say something <laughs> on the radio? Did I, you know, I guess the first thing in my mind was I'm going to get uh, scolded for something. I'm getting called in on the carpet. 
um, because you guys know as well as I do. I mean, I, I like to just get my opinion when I'm doing uh, uh, doing radio, and sometimes the Chiefs like it, sometimes they don't. And you know, I'm not saying that I haven't been, you know, been called in a bunch, but I have been called in saying, hey, you know, take it easy, guys. Uh, so I got on the phone and, and, uh, you know, first Clark uh, said, Hey, how's the family? And then of course, right after that, I said, you know, congratulations on the Super Bowl. Uh, and, you know, and it was tough losing that last Super Bowl, but you know, man, you were two in a row. And he said, yeah, it was tough. We're gonna have to make some adjustments to go to the Super Bowl again and win it. And this is right after the Tampa, uh, Super Bowl. So, and then he said, Hey, you know, we just want to let you know uh, that we're going to put you in the ring of fame and hall of honor. And man, I, I choked up. Uh, it was very, very uh, uh, special to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, like I said, when I got drafted by the Chiefs, I wasn't particularly worried about going in the Hall of Fame. I wasn't particularly worried about, you know, any of those accolades. I just wanted to be a part of this organization and be a part of that ring of fame. And, and you know, staying here 11 years and playing for this organization was really important to me and giving me an opportunity to go up there. And I expressed that with Dante. I'm very close with Dante. Dante and I went to Germany, to Munich together to do some B-roll and do some stuff to promote the game that was supposed to be a couple of years ago, the Tom Brady coming out of retirement game. They kind of screwed that up. Uh, so Dante and I are good friends and, and I'm really happy for him. He deserves it. And uh, boy, it's a great honor to be have your name up there. Mm. Uh, I know we had it on our show sheet and now folks in the chat, I see Chris already wanting to know now. Let's get into it. Creed Humphrey, that's always going to be something I'm sure you're going to be asked over the next, well, hopefully 10 plus years. Hopefully he signs that second contract here in Kansas City. Uh, Two questions for you. One, what is just your opinion of Creed Humphrey? And two, the Chiefs, basically ever since you They've not given second contracts out to centers. Uh, Mitch Morse had some injuries, obviously, the concussions, but he was a very good center for a long time here. Uh, Rodney Hudson was a very good, maybe the best center in the NFL for a while here, and then that second contract came up. The Chiefs decided to part ways. Two, I guess, do you think he gets a second contract here in Kansas City? Well, I think he'll get offered a second contract. Now, whether it's the kind of money that he wants uh, remains to be seen. I think he's going to demand a high price. And whether the Chiefs want to go ahead and 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 match that price that he wants, and he deserves it. He's he's one of the best centers in the NFL right now, and and he does a great job. So the pros for him is I love the way he finishes, I love the way he communicates, I love his toughness. And the only negative I could say is at times I think that he can get busy, a little bit busier in the middle. Sometimes he kind of just we always say don't don't buy a ticket to the game. If you're just kind of sitting around looking around looking for somebody, go light somebody up. And uh, that was one of my favorite things to do is, you know, when you're pass blocking and you're, you're holding one guy off and you're watching the linebacker and the linebacker doesn't come, you go hunt somebody up and go lay him out. And uh, that's one of the things I'd like to see him do more. If, if I had an opportunity to talk to him this offseason, which I may say, listen, go hunt people up man. play with that toughness. You know, every shot, every every, you know, obviously legal, it's legal. Every time you hit somebody, every time you take a little bit off of that, it helps out in the fourth quarter. Next thing you know, those guys, they're looking around for you and they're not looking to get to the quarterback. So that's an important thing that I think he needs to improve on. But let me tell you something, his strength at the point of attack is great. Um, getting to the second level does a wonderful job. He's got great feet. He's got great uh, plays with great leverage, got great balance. I just like to see him finish a little bit more at the end of plays in his pass protection. Mm. Tim, I'd actually love to get your thoughts like on the line overall, especially as it's been reconstructed, um, you know, on the outsides, on the bookends this this spring. Um, of course, Donovan Smith was just thrown into the mix. 
that a lot of that maybe will shake out in ways that we can't yet know. But but from what you're seeing, what do you think of this line compared to the lines that have won Super Bowls? Um, and what are you still worried about? Well, if you, you want to compare it to last year's line, this is a better line. And everybody's like, well, what about Orlando Brown? Well, Orlando Brown, he, he graded out in the upper 70s, low 80s most of the time in pass protection. And and then, you know, with his run blocking, he was one of the better run blockers. The Orlando Brown thing was never going to happen. Orlando Brown wanted a lot of money. The Chiefs didn't see the value in giving him number one or number two money. It just wasn't going to happen. That doesn't mean that one part of the, of the equation was wrong and the other part was right. It just wasn't going to happen. So Orlando Brown being here in Kansas City, and all indications are he's a great leader in that room. He was great in Kansas City. Uh, we wish him well uh, until he plays the Kansas City Chiefs with that, the Bengal team, which we don't like very well. Uh, so they went out and they got uh, uh, was it Juwan Taylor, mm-hmm. and um, so I, I uh, uh, just kind of on a whim called up uh, the orthopedic doctor for the Jacksonville Jaguars, who I know very very well. Why I know orthopedic doctors so well, I don't know, but I do know <laughs> a bunch of them. And I said, hey, tell me about this this Taylor guy that's coming here to Kansas City. Because I, I really don't – I know him a little bit. He's a really nice guy. But so he said, you know, one of the guys who was involved with his draft, who's an offensive coordinator, is no longer with the organization. Um, uh, he, you know, he's coaching in the USFL. Uh, I think he's one of the head coaches in the USFL now. Uh, said, hey, you know, give him a call. And I was like, ah, I'm not going to call him. And, Lo and behold, like a day later, the guy calls me. He says, hey, I heard you want to talk about Juwan Taylor. I said, yeah, so talk to me about him. He goes, number one, he's a great guy. He's awesome in the locker room. He's a great team player. Uh, You're going to have no issues with him, no problems with him. Number two, uh, you know, he is very, very physical. Uh, You know, he's got some athleticism to him. You guys are going to love him. We hated to see him go. And I Mm -hmm. said, what about left tackle? And the guy said, I don't see it. I said, what do you mean? He goes, he's just not a left tackle. You know what? We looked at it a little bit when we drafted him and everything else, but he just fits. He is a prototypical right tackle. So when they moved to left tackle, I was kind of a head scratcher for me. It felt like they were trying to take a a square peg and put it in a round hole. Uh, So I thought, okay, they're going to address this with the draft. And when it didn't work out in the draft, I was looking for something to happen. And that's when they went out and they got Donovan Smith. Now, Donovan Smith, listen, now, if you look at his uh, pro football focus stats, the last last year was bad. He was hurt, playing injured, didn't play very well last year. But this is a great Brett Veach kind of signing. He's coming off a rough year because of injuries. But the years before that, he graded out pretty well. In fact, I think he was ranked in the top 20 uh, in tackles uh, for the last couple of years with, the, with uh, Tampa. So um, if he can live up to that and kind of build into this system – you know, Tom Brady's not the easiest guy to work with, and Tom Brady's not the easiest guy to block for. Uh, he's kind of a statue back there. When things break down, he just kind of folds up. Patrick Mahomes doesn't do that. So I think that's going to help him too. So the long-winded answer to the very short question is, I think the tackles are in better position right now than they were last year at this time. I think both of these guys are an upgrade. Orlando and, and Smith, now Smith has to, the arrow's pointing up, but the, Smith has to bring his game up a little bit. But I think the right tackle is much, much better. And I think the Chiefs offensive line is going to be right there with some of the Super Bowl lines that you were talking about. I, I agree that I think right tackle is in a better spot. I do think Andrew Wiley at times got a little bit of a bad rap. If you look at what he was getting paid, yeah. he overperformed that contract. I, I think Wiley deserves a ton of credit. 
I guess my concern here, and obviously it's a sunk cost at this point, the deal is done. You now have Juwan Taylor as the highest paid right tackle in football. That gives me a little bit of concern. And when it comes to left tackle, I'm with you on Donovan Smith. Uh, the, the years before last year, he was a very good left tackle, very solid. But you, you can make the case, and I, I'm trying to do it myself. Hmm. Last year, the entire Tampa Bay Buccaneers offensive line was decimated with injury. When you saw Orlando Brown Jr. last year, his worst games were when Joe Tooney was, was gone. Eric Fisher had a lot of trouble here when there was the revolving door at left guard. The no continuous players playing alongside him obviously brings everyone else's game down. You don't know what he's going to do. I, 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 you think you do, but you don't always do. You like having that sort of that gel on the offensive line. I don't get why people are acting like Orlando Brown Jr. was, I'm not saying you are by any means, but some fans acting like Orlando Brown Jr. was some bum, and all, all, all of a sudden, Donovan Smith is this massive upgrade at left tackle. I, I don't know if I see that. It feels like people understand he wanted that money. He wasn't going to get that money. But then you look at what he signed for the Bengals with, and I'm personally sitting here saying, well, if he was going to sign for Kansas City for that, I, I would have made that deal. Yeah, and you know what? And it's a funny deal because the people that I've talked to, for one reason or another, it just wasn't going to happen here in Kansas City. And I've talked to some of the coaches and some of the people out there. And, and uh, you know, he expected a certain amount from Kansas City and they weren't going to get there. Uh, so he had to go somewhere else. And you're exactly right. He didn't get paid what he thought he was going to get paid. But the thing about the, this Donovan Smith deal is that if Donovan Smith would have had the years – the past, not last year, but the last couple of years before that, they wouldn't have been able to afford him either because he was going to get paid a bunch. So he had a down year, and it was Brett Veach went out and found a guy that had a down year and, and for a lot of reasons. Number one, he was injured. Number two, there's a bunch of guys around there injured. It was kind of a piecemeal uh, offensive line. Number three, Tom Brady, listen, let's face it, Tom Brady probably should not have come back. Uh, you know, he was very, very limited what he could do back there. So there was a lot of check marks that were uh, put in the column of crappy for Donovan Smith out there. So if he can go to an offensive line that, you know, with Tooney and with uh, Smith and with Humphreys and now with Taylor, I mean, you look at this offensive line, it's a pretty solid offensive line. The one thing that Orlando Brown struggled with, and it'll be interesting to see what Donovan Smith does, is Orlando Brown did not match up well against AFC West defensive ends. He just didn't. I think he's in a great spot. I think he matches up pretty well with the guys in the AFC North. You look at Crosby and you look at Bosa and you look at the guys that they have at, at, the, at the defensive ends. They're very athletic. Uh, they, they play with great leverage. And, and, and one of the things that the knock against Orlando Brown, and if he was on this podcast, he'd probably admit to it too. Uh, he's a bit of a waist bender. He's a little bit of a leaner. His punch is his head and his hands are connected too much with his punch. So when he goes for the punch, his head is down. And if you're off a little bit or you miss a little bit, you're off balance. And when you're off balancing as a speed rusher, an athletic guy, then they're going to take advantage of that. But when he went against big guys, he went against the the the, the larger, the more physical uh, defensive ends. He kicked the crap out of them. He did really well. So. Uh, I, you know, I think, hey, listen, uh, Orlando Brown brought a, brought a Super Bowl here to Kansas City and very, very happy they had the opportunity to come here. He left happy. You know, the Chiefs, they left. They're happy that he came. Uh, so, you know, sometimes, you know, just things like this happen. And I wouldn't be surprised if Donovan Smith is a one-year guy, too. He has a really good year this year with all indications are that Andy Heck and this offensive line 
you know, they do a really good job scheming and a good, good job with Patrick Mahomes back there to making the offensive line right. Uh, that, you know, he's going to have a good year and they may not be able to afford him next year either, but they couldn't get somebody in the draft. It didn't work out. Um, and they needed to find a guy who is a proven left tackle. And I was telling you right now, Taylor was not that guy. Hey, let's, let's talk about the future of the line since, since we have you here and, and we're talking, you know, this place, you know, so well, like some people wonder if Joe Tooney, is maybe going to turn into someone too expensive. You you talk about a major expense at at guard, interior lines typically not where teams spend, you know, so heavily. And yet earlier we're talking about the benefits of playing next to a guy like Tooney and having that elevate your own game. What do you think is going to happen there? And then also as we're looking forward, you said the Chiefs weren't able to get a guy in the draft. Would you then suspect that? that next year's first round is probably pretty prime for an offensive tackle, you know, if the value's there. Matt, are you saying we have to talk about the draft again already? Sorry. I can see see myself out. I can see myself out. No, no, no. no. (laughs) You know, I don't know who the 2000, what would be, 24 uh, class of tackles coming out. Haven't quite dug into that yet, Matt, but – Tim just told me to leave the show, so I'm going to just – I'll see myself out, guys. But uh, to answer your question, yeah, I mean, I think that, you know, the Chiefs have got to go out there and they've got to go find themselves uh, a, a left tackle uh, in the draft. And I think all indications are that there was one or two guys that they liked, and if they would have fell to a spot where the Chiefs could move up to get him, they would have. Uh, but uh, just didn't work out that way. So they had to go find a uh, some a piece to put in there, a guy who had a proven record, a guy who knows how to play that position, and I think it's good for the Chiefs. But to answer your question, yeah, I, I'm surprised. I mean, hopefully Donovan Smith has an unbelievable year and decides, hey, I want to – listen, he's going to be 30. Uh, so, um, you know, 30 isn't what he used to be. When I turned 30, I felt like I got run over by a truck and, uh, you know, I could barely get out of bed. <laughs> But remember now, our practices were a little bit different. Two-a-days were a little bit different. Practices during the week were a little bit different. By the time we got to week 16 and 17, it was a mash unit in there because Marty shot and average practices. Uh, they don't do it that way anymore. So I think you can the, – the new 30 is probably 34. I think 34 is about that age where offensive linemen and defensive linemen start to kind of wane a little bit. Now, there's always exceptions to the rule. Uh, but that's usually used to be when I was playing, when you hit 30, that was kind of the, you were starting to go downhill a little bit. So he's got about three or four years of good football left. And, you know, maybe the Chiefs could find a way to keep him around and he could be a guy that could come in here and be a solid left tackle. Now, listen, Hey, I'm with you guys, man. I, I saw the stats from last year, 13 holding calls. Uh, that's not going to fly in Kansas city. That's not going to fly for Andy Reid. and Patrick Mahomes is going to lose his proverbial mind. If he throws the ball down the field for a touchdown and there's another holding call down of the Smith. So he's got to learn to get his ass in the right position and not be grabbing. Remember, if I was going to talk to him, one of the things that he does, he's got a really bad habit of this is when you're getting beaten pass protection, don't pull push, you know, get guys off balance. You buy a little bit of time. Too many times, offensive linemen, they get in a position and they're, they're getting beat because it happens, man. This is part of it. And you start, if once they get out of your body and you start to grab and try and pull them back, which is a natural thing to do, it's a natural thing to, to kind of go through your mind. But if you could think about it, 
don't pull, push, push them, get them off balance, have, have to restart and kind of get back into the, get back into their treads a little bit and get in the quarterback. That's another second, second and a half. You're not going to get the 10 yard penalty and the quarterback's going to get it off. So he's got to do a better job. And I know Andy Heck very well. We played together for three years at Notre Dame under Joe Moore. And one of the things that Joe Moore always taught was, Hey, get to the hip and push. If you're getting beat, get to the hip and push, get them off balance get their body in a bad position, and that'll buy more time for your quarterback. So I would expect those holding calls to drop off exponentially with Andy Heck and, and Patrick Mahomes back there. I love Doug in case, or Kansas saying, Tim, we need you on the offensive line now. Looks like you're in great shape. Uh, I can confirm Grunny's in great shape. I see him sometimes the 8-10. I mean, look at that. It's absurd. <laughs> I'm 29. I'm sitting here like, no chance. I'm a stick over here. I walk in, no Oklahoma drills for me against him yeah. in, the, uh, in the hallway. That's not going to happen. Well, That's dangerous. I, I, I appreciate it. Who was it? Was it Doug, you said? Yeah, Doug. Doug, I appreciate it, but uh, you can't see me walk. Uh, when you see me walk, you say, we don't want that guy in the field anymore. <laughs> I may have looked at the part, but as soon as I get up and start walking, you're like, oh, my God, that thing, he, he's lost. He's lost all the tread of those tires. So I appreciate it. Uh, you know, my dad used to say all the time when, when we were younger, you know, he said, you, you know, you're big now and you got to keep being big. But he said, you know, what? there's not a lot of 70 year old 300 pounders out there. So, you know, when you're done playing, you got to lose weight. And it, it was a process for me. At one point, uh, a couple of years after I got the 345 and I got pictures of that. It was ugly. So, uh, you know, just made some life changes and started to work out and go to a trainer. And uh, now it's, you know, it's just part of what I do every day. And and uh, I enjoy it and it's fun and, and uh, it, I'm trying to stay healthy. So I appreciate it. But, uh, yeah, you won't be seeing me uh, blocking any 325-pound Chris Joneses anytime soon. I promise you that. <laughs> you had such sustained success for so long. You obviously took, quote-unquote, team-friendly deals to stay here, build your <laughs> legacy in Kansas City, and look how it paid off in the Ring of Honor, the Chiefs Hall of Fame, right? Like, that was valuable and something that mattered to you in today's nfl it seems like that loyalty um the team friendly deal per se seems a little bit overblown i know a lot of fans they always say oh they'll play for the chiefs they want to stay here because they want to win a championship or they want to have that hometown discount we've not really seen that a lot and we've seen it from Mahomes and Travis Kelsey, but didn't see it with Tyreek. Uh, we probably won't see it with Chris Jones to an extent. We know how much he wants to get paid. We didn't see it with Orlando Brown Jr. Is that a mindset switch from, you know, your time playing to the day? Or is that also you were the rare case of you wanted to build that legacy here? You understood the value behind it. Well, I, I always go back to when people ask this question, a Lou Holtz quote. And I have a little bit of a cold here or an allergy, so I apologize. Maybe it would be a little bit better of a Lou Holtzism here. You'd say, <laughs> Tim Grunhart, uh, is your, are your kids happy? Yes, coach. Is your wife happy? Yes, coach. Don't mess with happy. <laughs> so the reality is, you know, my kids were happy here in Kansas City. My wife loved it here in Kansas City. I loved it here in Kansas City. I could have went and took a contract for another couple hundred thousand dollars, um, maybe on the back end and gone somewhere else. But I would have had to, you know, take my family away from the friends, take my wife out of the house in the neighborhood that she loves. And, and I loved being here in Kansas City. 
And, uh, you know, the fans here have always been great. They've supported me. You know, talk about that book. You know, they supported me with the book. I do radio shows. I've done commercials. Uh, I just stayed active in the community. Uh, and you know what? Listen, you got to be faithful in order for people to be loyal to you. And in everything in life, whether it's your marriages or whether it's your kids or your friends, you know, be faithful, be loyal, and they'll be loyal back. And that's what I've found for me, giving up a couple bucks on the on the back end, you know, on the long run. I've been here in Kansas City now for 33 years. I've been, you know, uh, gosh, I've been here longer than anywhere else in my life. And this is my home. And, you know, if I would have left and then, you know, led somewhere else for five or six years and come back, I'm not sure if my relationship would have been the same as it is now with Kansas City and the people at Kansas City and the fans of the Kansas City Chiefs in the media, the Kansas City Chiefs have built great relationships and business relationships. And for me, in the long run, that paid off in, in, in tenfold. So, uh, but to answer your question, no, you're not going to see that. Um, the way the contracts are, the way the salary cap is, the way that agents are, you know, remember, everybody out there, I don't know how many of you guys out there are watching this are going to sign an agent anytime soon, but the agent works for you. You don't work for the agent. And too many times young guys think they're working for the agent and the agent is going to tell me, listen, you tell the agent to pound sand. I'm staying here in Kansas City. And that's what I did. Mm-hmm. Hey, uh, one more for you here, uh, Tim. I, Sterling brought up the sustained success. I'm, I'm looking and it occurs to me that the least amount of wins you ever had in a year was seven. Like, like there was never a, a total bottoming out. And, and maybe before Andy Reid arrives, maybe your stretch of success would have been considered, you know, the most successful like long-term era of the franchise. It occurred to me that that like few people could really speak to what it takes. Like when you were with Marty, with those teams that had that sustained run of success, playoff contention, those expectations, Um, how difficult is that? And, and like, I, I guess I'm wondering if you could speak to that enjoying that for like, I mean, 11 years is such a long time, but then to see KC now do it on a whole other level, it, it just feels like we're all just like watching history unfold and we kind of know it, but I thought you could probably speak to that better than most people could. Yeah, Matt, that's a great question. And, and um, listen, we had some unbelievable success in the nineties. I think we won a hundred and some games and, I think it was either the second most uh, by a franchise in the 90s. I think maybe the 49ers were number one. We were number two. So we had a very successful run in the 90s. But we never won a Super Bowl. And there's a lot of reasons for that. We can go through a lot of guesses and hypotheses on why that happened. But the reality is we just didn't get it done. Um, but, you know, um, just like you guys do, I don't know if you have any nephews or little brothers or or uh, people in the family that you go out and you watch them play baseball, you watch them play football or basketball, and you're sitting there and you're just so proud, your chest is pumped up, and you're so happy for them that they're having success. And that's the way we feel. I, I wasn't sure how I would feel. Uh, maybe the first couple of years out, I didn't, I was like, gosh, the Chiefs going to win the Super Bowl now. I'm going to be pissed. <laughs> right? You know, I played 11 years, and then all of a sudden I retire, and Dick Vermeil comes in, and they're just scoring points left and right. And I go, if they go to the Super Bowl and win, I'm going to be pissed. <laughs> but I will tell you that uh, that mindset changed. Maybe just got a little bit older, but I'm just so proud of these guys. We call them our little brothers. I mean, we're out there watching them play and watching them compete and the way they carry themselves in the community and the way they do the right things around town and 
and uh, the way that they they played is awesome. It's like watching your little brother go out there and play, and uh, we're just as proud, and we live vicariously through them. And, and Sterling and Matt, the kind of the cool thing is, too, now that being a GNC Chiefs ambassadors, we get a Super Bowl ring. So I don't have to get a beat up to get these Super Bowl rings anymore. So I'm the second one's coming in the mail here for fairly soon. Got number one, get number two. So keep on winning, guys. I appreciate the Super Bowl rings. That's incredible. Uh, by the way, make sure you guys go out and get View from the Center, a book by Tim Grunard. Not only is he Chiefs Hall of Famer, he's now an author. Uh, and if you want more stories, honestly, the, the stories in here are incredible. And also, kind of details and outlines the relationship that your era of Kansas City, the relationship you guys basically created and started and still continuously have with the fans, you guys basically brought back Chiefs Kingdom. You guys started the Chiefs Kingdom, if you will. Um, It's a really cool book. The stories in there are extremely, extremely fun. I I talked to Nick Lowry uh, pretty much once or twice a week. And I've yet to bring up the snowball incident yet with him. <laughs> That's in here. Uh, I don't know what your thoughts are on that. Should I bring that up to him? Does he like that story? Oh, is that one to- it okay. doesn't matter whether he likes it or not. It'd be better if he didn't. Right? <laughs> it's, fun to, it's fun to push Nick's buttons. I'll tell you that. I love Nick, but I love pushing his buttons too. But yeah, Sterling, you're exactly right, man. You know, one of the reasons why I wrote this book, not only to tell stories about, um, you know, the Kansas City Chief games and tell stories about, players and relationships, but more importantly than that, it it was about um, the relationship that was built in the 90s between the fans and the players. And uh, that was really important. And it was a point of emphasis from Carl Peterson and Lamar Hunt and Marty Schottenheimer, you know, to go out and do radio shows, to to go to hospitals, to go to high schools, to go do an event. Some some of the stuff that, quite frankly, guys just can't do this in, in this day and age for one reason or another, whether it's security or whether it's cell phones, whether it's videos and all that kind of stuff. I mean, I'll tell you what, if they had cell phones back in the day in the levee, I probably wouldn't have lasted three years in the league. <laughs> we had some crazy times there. And the fans were all part of it. You know what? And they, they were in on it, too. We had a wonderful time. And, you know, everybody everybody took care of each other and nobody ever said anything. <laughs> so but we're not, we, we had an unbelievable time. And, and uh, you know, people always talk about Arrowhead as a um, college-like atmosphere. You guys have heard that before. Wow, it's like a college-like atmosphere. And people often say that it's because it's really loud and people wear the colors of the team because that's, you know, kind of what colleges do. But it goes so much deeper than that. And the reason why it goes deeper than that was one of the things that we tried to do is we tried to build a personal relationship with the fans through those things. So when they went to the game on Sunday, they said, yeah, we were with Grunny and Derek at the levee on Thursday. We're hanging out with him. They're great guys. And they, you know, they fell in love with us and we fell in love with them. And, you know, we tried to make eye contact as much as possible in the stands and share that, that our souls with them. And, and uh, you know, uh, that's why, uh, you know, like when, you know, get back to the college atmosphere, you know, when you're walking around college at K-State or KU or MU or, or wherever, you know, you see the quarterback going into the history class or you see the offense alignment in the, in the cafeteria or whatever, and you get to see him, you say hello, maybe bump into him, maybe even sit next to him in class, and you build a relationship. And that's why college kids have such a, you know, great uh, fan base with, with the players because they, they, they're, they're, they're classmates, right? I mean, let's face it, they're classmates. And one of the things we wanted, we wanted that feel too, that they had personal ownership of this team. They had a personal relationship with the fans. 
And when they when they when they when they came out to the game, they felt like they were a part of it. So win, lose, or draw, they were always out there because those were our guys. And that's the way that they thought, and that's the way we thought. And that's why this fan base has been so great over the last 30 years is because of the relationships that were built in the 90s. So the foundation for what we're experiencing now is built in the 90s where Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey and Chris Jones can hold up Lombardi trophies on that foundation. And that's why we love it so much. Mm. Love it. Love it. Uh, If you want those stories and more, check out Tim's book. Uh, We will put a link to where you can purchase it um, in the information section of wherever you're taking in uh, this podcast or the streaming video. Tim, thanks so much for joining us today. We, uh, we so appreciate you taking out the time. Yeah, you guys are great, man. Let's, let's, let's visit again during the football season and, uh, and talk about some stuff. It'd be great. And we'll see if, uh, if, uh, they, if, uh, if Creed Humphreys listens to me and starts finishing some guys late and smashing them. We'll see if Donovan's pushing, pulling, pushing and not pulling, and uh, we'll we'll see if uh, we'll see if Andy gets those guys right, which I think he will. When I say Andy, I mean Andy Heck because he's a great offensive line coach. Hey guys, thanks so much for having me on, and anytime. And you guys are great, and uh, I can see why there's so many addicts in the Arrowhead attic. You guys do a wonderful job. <laughs> thanks, thanks so much, Tim. We'll for sure have him on during the regular season. What a great guy! Yeah, I just outstanding. I, uh, I man, I love that whole era. I mean, like you know, it, it's like all the nostalgia for me, like having watched, uh, you know, I mean, beginning to end that whole era. And I mean, I remember, I remember watching the draft that he was drafted um, and, and then the whole thing. So yeah, just so cool that, that um, uh, it's so cool to see him so active now. Yeah. But also it's such a Testament, you know, we were talking about the great job that Casey did during the draft, you know, that he would be like, he's a Chicago native, went to Notre Dame, could have easily settled back in the general region, northern Indiana, you know, into Illinois. Um, and, you know, to be won over by KC, to then stay there, to then raise your kids there, and then now be proud of that and call that home. And, yeah, it's just, yeah, just cool in every way. Love it. I always think it's so cool personally. He should be the example. You show other players who are trying to build a legacy. Yeah. When you're looking at guys and your agents, and I know that he mentioned agents are trying to get as much money as possible. I understand that. But he's the perfect example of why legacy means so much. He's so beloved still. How many years after playing a, a game for this organization, yeah. everyone knows who he is. Everyone wants to hear what he has to say. He still feels like part of the Chiefs family. Like It's incredible. You have that bond. You don't have that with guys who are here for four years, three years, and then leave. You don't have that same sort of, of yep. feeling. Um, you know, guys like even like a little different, but let's just say Tyron Matthew wasn't drafted here, but had three great years here. He won't be remembered in the same vein as Tim Grunard. You like these Chiefs Hall of Famers, you look up there, and they, as you mentioned, you see your name. That legacy means something. I wonder if we will ever go back to that. Um Again, I, I understand it, it's tough to turn down the money. It's very difficult. If you're offered, let's just say hypothetically, $10 million a year or $8 million a year, it's tough to turn that down. But when you can see the impact long after your playing days are over, like he mentioned, yeah, don't mess with happy. Sometimes that means more. I, I just think he should be the perfect example of why yeah. you stay, of why you build a legacy and not just chase the dollar signs. Yeah. 
And, and you know what? Even if you, I think you could be thinking about dollar signs too, though, right? Like, I mean, he's getting Super Bowl rings in the mail. Like, legitimately, <laughs> that's worth something. But beyond that, it's like if you put yourself in a place long term, like, like Tim has in Kansas City, you have even like business opportunities, local yeah. contacts, and connections. Where, where when the game is done with you, you're not done with the game or, or the region, right? That you like, you don't have to then suddenly go back to the wall and go, oh, what do I do? Because I played for three different teams during my career. You know, I think some things are lost in like even Tyreek Hill. I think Mm -hmm. some things are lost when you end your career with maybe three years, four years in Miami, than if you'd spent 11 years, 10 years in Kansas City, um, despite how great those years were. So, um, yeah, I, I love him as that example. It was great to chat with him. Um, you know, there's, there's, there's credibility and there's, um, yeah, the, the chips that you earn begin to multiply exponentially over time. Like it's not a linear curve. I think it's like, I think it's a steep growth curve. And when you're entering those later years, I think you really earn more and more and more. So, yeah. So yeah, you brought, you brought up Tyra Matthew. It reminds me like, well, how do you remember Tyra Matthew versus Dan Sorensen? Like, but versus, <laughs> but versus Dan Sorensen, right? And I don't mean like talent wise, but I'm thinking, okay, three great years from Tyron, great. We got a we got a Super Bowl, but but also a guy like John McGraw, who was always like a scrappy safety, who barely made the team, but he made it for years on special teams, or a guy like Dirty Dan, who was like, you know, kind of like a fringe roster player who like climbs the ladder, makes real clutch plays when a cat, like maybe that guy is actually remembered more and has like better long-term contracts or relationships locally. Cause it's eight year versus three kind of thing, even though Tyron's clearly the better player. I don't know. Yeah. I'm just thinking through those things, but uh, before we move forward, I do want to say shout out to everyone who's sticking around. All the comments were absolutely outstanding. I really do appreciate it. Even though we do have a Bengals fan for some reason in here, um, you know, you think they're trying to focus more on winning a Super Bowl, you know, but maybe not. They have a, I guess, nothing better to do. Um, but want to shout out DraftKings. If you guys want to do us a favor, go to DraftKings and use promo code Arrowhead. Bet five dollars on any sport, get a hundred and fifty in bonus bets back instantly. Win or lose. New customers only, 21 plus and physically present in Kansas. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. Valid one offer per customer. Minimum $5 deposit and $5 wage required. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets and expire seven days after being awarded. See full terms at DraftKings.com. Again, promo code Arrowhead at DraftKings. That was good. That was good. Hey, we want to uh, sweep up some Chiefs news here. Um, since, you know, Sterling, I only get to see you uh, once a week. I don't know. Like, you know, we, we got to clean up things that come up from time to time. Uh, just want to get your opinion on a few things here. Um, and one is the fact that I'm watching Chris Jones on Twitter make these overtures saying, yo, Frank, come back and let's finish what we started. Um, I'm not sure what else there is to finish when you've already won two Super Bowls. It's like, is that like, Oh, we, we were supposed to win three and now we haven't, and we need you to come back and finish that. I mean, I'm here for it if that's what it is. What do you think of the open 
I mean, now that we've added Felix, now that we've added Charles, the room is not as devoid of talent as it was before. Would you be excited to add Frank back to that mix? And or do you think it'll happen? Excited, sure. Uh, Or fine, I guess. Like, I'm not going to be, like, just thrilled, but I do think there's something as far as the playoff, Frank. There obviously is something there. Uh, He becomes a prime Frank Clark, the Shark, when it's the regular season. He's not. But the Chiefs don't really need him for the regular season. Like, with FAU, Charles Aminahu, George Karloftis, Mike Dana being a viable rotational piece. uh, Sure, they could use another guy, but I don't think it's necessarily uh, a must for them. I personally think that Frank Clark is in his Melvin Ingram, Carlos Dunlap, Terrell Suggs, kind of that type of player, uh, 25 to 30% snap share type of dude. Instead of what did you, you say he played last year? I know you have the number. It was like 69%. It was a crazy amount of the snap share he received last year. And I don't think he's there anymore. I, I just don't, but he's only 29. And I think in his heart of hearts, he probably thinks, all right, this is my last chance to get a decent contract. Maybe a two-year, maybe a three-year deal. I'm 29. Uh, I had this playoff success. Some team will sign him. And I think that team might be the Miami Dolphins. I do. If you look at the Dolphins right now, you look at their defensive line. Uh, they have Emmanuel Ogba pen- penciled in as a starter. Uh, don't know how that's going to work out. He's fine, but I think they need some guys. Frank Clark makes sense. The Dolphins obviously don't have any issues taking some former Chiefs. Uh, obviously, with Tyreek Hill, Emmanuel Agba, it, it's in their MO. If they think that can give them any sort of competitive advantage, I'm sure the Dolphins will probably try and do that. And again, if Frank Clark thinks he can get a two year, three year, uh, decent sized contract while also playing a starter's share of the snaps, that seems like a logical place for him to go, or a team that's trying to take that next step, a team that wants that playoff success, that playoff acumen on the roster. The Jacksonville Jaguars seem to be in that boat as well. Uh, If I was a betting man, I would say a team in Florida lands Frank Clark. Hey, a shark, he needs to be around water, baby. (laughs) Wait, What makes you think that Ogba doesn't have many years left? I'm sorry, I just couldn't help. Uh, I had to do it. Uh, so the Chiefs just recently completed their rookie minicamp. Uh, we didn't get to see much of FAU because he has uh, he just had surgery on his thumb before the draft, um, and he's more looking at OTAs to be ready for that. Uh, but just wondering, like from what you saw or heard from the weekend, if you had any thoughts on the Chiefs draft class after the fact and or rookie free agents – uh, as reports came out from that mini camp. <laughs> Two quick comments I find great. John says Sterling, the marine biologist, outstanding. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, I would love to be a marine biologist. I'd be so bad. He'd be like, that is a fish, that's a shark, and now I'm going to die. Uh, Chris says, if I like mint juleps, I should <laughs> grab a bottle of Old Forester mint julep bourbon. They try it. I've had, yeah, I've had, I've had Old Forester. I've had Old Forester in a mint julep, and I've had Old Forester in a mint julep down at the Kentucky Derby before. I didn't know they had their own mint julep bourbon. I don't know if they have flavored one, uh, but Chris, good looks. I will take a uh, take a look at that. When it comes to the draft and where they sit right now, um, y- you know, I- I'm intrigued by the lack of pressure that's on them. I'm intrigued by they don't need any one of these guys to necessarily step up and be a starter. They don't need uh, Wanya Morris to be the starting right tackle. 
they don't need FAU to play 70% of the snap count at, at, at edge. I think Charles and who was realistically going to be the starter alongside Carl Loftus. Rasheed Rice, I think you'd like to have, to have a big impact in this offense. But let's be real now, it's going to be uh, Kadarius Toney. If, if he's healthy, Kadarius Toney is going to be there. Obviously, you're going to have MVS, who's going to be there. You're obviously going to have Sky Moore, who's taking that next step. And I think Sky Moore, personally, is going to take a huge step this year. Um, you know, Rasheed Rice is probably even behind guys like Richie James. I, I, I don't know for sure, but I don't think the Chiefs are necessarily needing Rasheed Rice or uh, Rasheed Rice to be this massive impact player and that's what's so interesting about this current draft they can afford to draft some more maybe higher upside dudes and, and wait they weren't able to do that last year Carl Loftus needed to come in and be an impact player or at least a uh, rotational piece week one Trim McDuffie had to be a starter with the departure of uh, Trevorius Ward week one like this is a little different situation and so for me I'm intrigued to let them play out and see what it looks like even in year two and year three, it's kind of a different situation from the previous years. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think it'll be really interesting. Uh, I think they'll need, you know, they'll need on Yudike Uzama a lot more than maybe what we're, you know, like Karloff just played immediate starter reps. I think it's possible he gets in there too, but yeah, you're right. You know, once you sign Donovan Smith, you know, Wanya Morris becomes a red shirt season. Yeah. Um, you're right about rice. I, yeah, I agree with you all the way around. I think if I were to make a bold prediction, I think Chamari Connor, Virginia Tech, fourth-round pick, defensive back, has a real shot. I think there's going to be real competition there with him and Mike Edwards, um, who's slotted to be the third safety um, after a breakout season with the Buccaneers. You know, Remember, Edwards was only playing in Tampa Bay because Antoine Winfield went down for the season. So he stepped up, had a good year. It's a good signing, but the Chiefs liked Connor enough and they should. He's a Connor. I'm I, I'm supporting his last name all the way. <laughs> That's the only um, reason why is because it's the last name. I knew it. Hey, you don't know. You don't know. I support Sterling Marlin, the old NASCAR driver. I always <laughs> rooted for him. <laughs> you caught me. You caught me. Yeah, I think that's going to be a battle. I think that's going to be uh, one to watch. He could be a surprising rookie to get reps in his first season yeah. um, after, after they traded up for him. Uh, Virginia Tech defensive backs, by the way, tend to be pretty pro ready. So, and Connors tend to be pretty pro ready. I'm just <laughs> uh, angry drunken German says Rice gets the customary red shirt this year. Uh, I I kind of think the same thing. He'll play a little bit, but not a a ton. Um, Nikki M says Tyron wanted to stay. I do think Tyron Matthew to an extent did want to stay in Kansas City. Obviously, though, the play didn't um, materialize on that third season. His first two years were great. His first two years in Kansas City at safety were phenomenal. That last year, though, um, left a lot to be desired, uh, and uh, they moved on. But I, I get what you're saying. That was in regards to a previous conversation of the legacy concern. Yeah. But, yeah, I, uh, Kentucky Derby was this week, and I didn't have a mint julep, and now I'm kind of bummed. Man. With the talk of mint julep, now I'm kind of just watching it myself. No, I didn't even watch it. I, I, I like the Kentucky Derby a lot. I love horses because they're so they're majestic creatures. Like they're so fun. Watching a horse in person run is an experience unlike any other. Yeah, like it, it, just the the power. It, it's insane. But no, I didn't watch on TV. It's, it's not as fun on TV. Yeah. Uh, if you had a horse and could enter it into the Kentucky Derby, what would you name your horse? Mm. Chiefs over Bengals. 
Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. Yeah. Chiefs or Bengals. Uh, by the way, Everyone in the chat, we do have a Discord. We have a members-only Discord channel. We talk about everything from barbecue. We talk everything about uh, the Chiefs. Uh, we talk everything about NCAA, Royals, whatever you are into. We pretty much have a uh, chat for you, including books. Yes, we even have books. Uh, also, shout out to John Clifford, new uh, AA Rookie Camp member. Shout out to John for joining. Welcome, Thank you, John. Yeah, welcome, John. We also gave out shirts to our, was it six-month members, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, a lot of people are posting their shirts in the Discord channel as well, so you do get some swag, uh, a lot of cool stuff. So if you want to join, it obviously does us, does us a huge solid. Plus, it's fun in general. We like to talk in there and have some fun. Love it. Love it. Well, folks, we've reached the end of the broadcast, and, you know, if you've been with us for a long time, you know that we uh, we close things out with a must list. Richard, where are you at? We need a we need a Richard signal, like a bugle. I'm right here, fellas. Sorry. <laughs> oh, dude, that's scary. His face was his dome was right there. That's a Just Beastie right. Boys cam. That's a Beastie Boys music it video is. cam. Yo, like what up? What up? <laughs> yeah. What you want? What you want? It's a galactic. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Love it. Uh, if you've reached this part of the show, we just like to recommend things whatever they are, whether from fine China to the latest shows that we're binging. No one's here actually ever recommended fine China. Have they? No, maybe next time. Maybe next time. I don't know. I would like to lead us out just cause I, I want to, I want to kick back and make you guys go last. Uh, um, I recommend Richard's damn. house. Uh, cause I stayed at Richard's house, uh, this past week and it was great. Richard, shout out to you. Uh, we stayed up pretty late talking about music and just jamming out. It was, it was a pretty good time. Uh, Richard's hair is actually way better in person. It's incredible. He puts my hair to shame. Um, Wait, can we talk about this? You saw Vertoram, you stayed at Vertoram's and you stayed at Richard's house. Yeah. Yeah. I stayed at Vertoram's, Vertoram's one night and Richard's one night. It was great. Any, any insider info here that, that, the 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 people want to know the addicts want to know yeah what's the most embarrassing thing at my house that you can tell people about uh you had a scary little face i think right behind you over your, yeah over your left shoulder right there uh in somewhere and i was terrified i woke up at like 7 a.m lights just kind of creeping through and i'm like what the what the fuck is that face why it's like a little mask terrified me not a oh, fan. he's actually, I know what he's talking about. He's talking about, a. I have a Master Chief mask that's like painted in psychedelic colors. And apparently that scared him, Chad. The Halo yeah, Chief it did. Mask. At 7 a.m., you wake up in a place and you see that? Yes, I'm going to be scared. There oh. you go. Sorry, for the, the podcast listeners can't see this one. but it's Yeah, very, I mean, seriously, you're not going to be all of a sudden you're waking up after a night of a couple of adult beverages and you see that? He did have a Brita. That was clutch. I did get some water from him. So thank you. So I recommend Richard's House and the band Whiskey Myers, who I'm hoping to see on Saturday. Love Whiskey Myers. It's a kind of Southern rock uh, country um, band. They're really, really good. So I highly recommend Whiskey Myers and Richard's House. Man, by the way, Sterling's never stayed at my house. I don't know why you've never asked, but also, well, yeah, you're welcome here. You're welcome here anytime. I don't know why you'd come here. Whatever. Why am I even bringing this up? Also, when you said mask, I was picturing like the Jim Carrey mask, like that you had a Jim Carrey mask on your wall. Yeah, I have some like weird haunted looking uh, mask. Yeah, I'm yeah. surprised it was just the, the, the video game mask that's right, right, right. Sterling. 
but yeah, it makes sense actually. Uh, Richard, you're up next. What do you got? All right, I'm gonna recommend a band I actually saw twice this weekend. That was not even I didn't do that on wow. purpose. I went, I saw them Saturday, and then they said we have a second night in Chicago, same venue. And I said, what the hell? I'll take a date. And me and her saw it. She never this date I took never heard of the band, but she loved them. They're called the Lemon Twigs. They're uh really cool kind of vintage sounding 70s yeah 70s rock pop rock band i love to say they sound like big star i had uh Ugh. many people say they sound like pet sound era beatles or beach boys sorry uh, or uh, or the who early who is i've gotten that a lot but yeah really really sweet sound uh the kind of stuff you just get you know you start having a few drinks and then you're just kind of like swaying in the crowd too it's really fun so the lemon twigs and they got this new album it just came out last week it's called everything harmony so check out the lemon twigs i'll check that out nice mm-hmm. nice have you guys heard of the band y oak no like like w-y-e oak not at all okay anyway they're they're kind of like an indie uh, yeah guy guy and girl kind of an indie rock kind of thing going on for years and and uh anyway the girl jen wasner she went solo she goes by flock of dimes and it's like haunting kind of indie pop kind of stuff it's like so freaking beautiful it's great anyway i don't think that i don't think sterling would like it sterling likes either like you know collecting drum heads and and uh yeah i like rush and foo fighters and whiskey myers yeah i don't think and like- uh, i like everything though man come on i like tool yeah as trish says tool tool's awesome tool kicks ass yeah i mean anyway Clearly, we've reached the end of our show. Uh, it was better when Tim Grunard was here. We we really just we we had the highest highs, and all of a I sudden we're it, like we're limping. We're I gave limping. Tim my everything, and then I learned that Sterling's hanging out with everyone but me, and it just put me in a bad mood. And then here we are, folks. I'm sorry. I'm sour, but not toward you. You all are the best. Even if Sterling doesn't want to be friends with me, hopefully you all will. My name is Matt Connor. We're here with Richard Durante. And Sterling, not my friend Holmes. Uh, we will be here next week. Uh, also, I'm going to be here later on this week, substituting for Patrick Allen. We'll have a couple guests on the show talking all about the Chiefs' schedule reveal on Thursday. Come hang out with us. But until then, as always, we appreciate you and go Chiefs. Go Chiefs.